It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFFSOSS.com. At FFFSOSS, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter.tv slash AJ93. Football's back, folks. We had week zero, so a little bit of an appetizer, but the game still counted. This weekend, we will have a full college football slate to preview. We'll do that on Thursday's show, but on this show, on Tuesday's show, we are going to do a season preview. So we'll go through the top 25 teams, um, tell you who's the quarterback, who, how many starters are coming back, how they do in the portal, all those things. Uh, pick the conference winners. I'll tell you some teams that I think could be in the playoff, and then uh, we'll pick the teams in the college football playoff. Then do a quick week zero recap with uh, Navy's win in Dublin over, or sorry, Nordians win over Navy in Dublin and USC's win at home against San Diego, San Jose State. Into a weekend soccer recap, soccer transfer rumors, NFL headlines. Victor Hovland wins the tour championship, so we'll do some golf talk at the end of the pod. Reminder: since today is the college football season preview show, Thursday will be the NFL over-unders, and also college football week one preview. So that's Thursday. Then next Tuesday will be our NFL preview. And then the following Thursday, we'll talk college football week two. But, of course, we will talk NFL week one. So that is the schedule going forward. Football season, we are upon it. So we'll do college football season preview first, then talk about the two games in week zero with the ranked teams, then weekend soccer recap, soccer transfer rumors, NFL headlines, Tour Championship talk for the PGA Tour and more. Kick it off, college football season preview. And this, folks, if you're quote-unquote a purist or if you're um, an enjoyer of college football that loves the pageantry, the tradition, not only the football but what is, you know, what the football represents about the schools and the student bodies and all that kind of stuff, right? So this is the last year before it gets really crazy again and yeah we've had conference realignment you know we've had nebraska leave the big 12 and join the big 10 we've had miami virginia tech Pitt, you know boston college all those teams leave the big east for other other places right west virginia left for the big 12 some had to be a long time ago now right so we've had realignment for sure and we've had some big brands move in realignment but we won't see what we're going to see in the next few years i don't know if ever again unless it the system gets completely changed but because this is the last year with oklahoma and texas in the big 12 coincidentally it's the first year with byu cincy houston and ucf and next year they're going to add arizona arizona state colorado and utah from the pac-12 so Big 12 is losing their two arguably biggest properties, I would say, in Oklahoma and Texas. Texas, for sure, and most likely Oklahoma. They're bringing in four this year, and they're bringing in another four next year. And I mentioned the Pac-12 losing four schools. They are also losing another four schools to the Big 10. USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. This is their last season in the Pac-12 before they go to the Big 10. 10 so 
if you are that purist, if you are that kind of enjoyer of college football, just make sure you're taking it in. You know, don't take it for granted, especially this year. If anything proved, don't take it for granted. It's it's this window of realignment. And you could say it last year when, you know, we heard about Oklahoma and Texas and they're moving. You're like, ah, oh, damn, that's – but the complete collapse of the Pac-12 is really disappointing. Um, and it's going to be different, and it's never going to be the same. And you could argue it hasn't been the same since the first wave, and that's fine. But at least we got kind of used to that. Now it's it's almost an arms race between two conferences and a third in the Big 12 that's emerged as getting some teams, right? But this is the last year, so make sure you enjoy it. Make sure when you see that, um, I don't know, Arizona State-Oregon game or, you know, UCLA um Colorado, whatever it is, you know, whoever it may be, you know, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, you know, Texas TC, and again, these are some newer rivalries, and new, but they're always kind of been, you know, rivals. They might not have played, but they might have been rivals, right? But just don't, uh, don't take it for granted, especially this year. And I'm gonna make a point of that because who knows. Because some of these big rivalries are not on the schedule next year. And who knows when they're going to get put back on. So, you know, take it. Um, don't take it for granted. Is my message about this year's college football. Maybe the theme of this year's season. Okay. So, let's start with our season preview here. We're going to go 1 through 25 in the AP Top 25. And we got to start with the number one team, the double defending champs, the Georgia Bulldogs. Coached by Kirby Smart. Georgia had this profile that they couldn't get over the hump in the big game. And Kirby Smart, the last two years, has just destroyed that narrative. Once in a close game against Alabama where they took control and then it wasn't as close as it should have been, right? And then the second last year, absolutely annihilating TCU from the opening whistle, right? In the opening kick. So... This Georgia team, yes, they lose Stenson Bennett. Carson Beck is going to be the starter for Kirby Smart. Six back on offense, seven back on defense. Lost some people to transfer portal. Gained some people to transfer portal. It's tough because if you're one of these really good schools, you're going to lose some kids because they're not going to play. And you're going to say, hey, if you just wait like one year, you're going to be a star here. No, they want to go play now, so it, it's tough. But for Georgia, I, I could see them really walking through the East, to be honest. Um, the South Carolina game was at home the third game of the year, so they'll have two tune-ups before that game. At Auburn, you know, necessarily doesn't scare me. Year one, you freeze. Kentucky's at home. They go to Vanderbilt. Who knows if that stadium's going to be even standing still when they go there in October. Obviously, the Florida game neutral side against Jack uh, at Jacksonville. And then it's an interesting stretch, right? From that Florida game to the end of the season, because they have a bye between the Vandy and the Florida game, the 21st they're off. It's versus Florida, home Mizzou, home Old Miss, at Tennessee, at Georgia Tech, right? So I do think Mizzou and Old Miss and maybe even a Kentucky or South Carolina, probably not Florida yet. I'm not sure about Florida. 
But those teams, I think, in the middle of the SEC are going to be better. They're going to beat each other up, whereas I think a Georgia and a Bama might just, you know, not necessarily coast to this title game, but um, I see a lot of the league in the middle of the league beating up on each other, whereas the top two are going to win their games. The bottom are not going to win any games, and the middle is just going to beat up on each other. So I would say Georgia scares that the Tennessee game in November. I, I don't really see them losing a game to that point. Maybe they get upset by South Carolina and Rattler. I don't think so. Kentucky's going to have a new kind of look without Levis. I'm just not sure about Florida. And Mizzou, who gave them a game last year, as we know. Now it's in the hedges. Ole Miss comes in. That's big. They go to Tennessee, but they they haven't had many issues with Tennessee. They've done a good job against Tennessee. Okay? Um, especially in the Kirby Smart era. Right? So... Beck is a big deal. They've brought some players back, but we know a program like Georgia, a program like Bama, a program like Ohio State, there's so there's so much talent depth at all those positions. You're just kind of waiting for one of the guys to break through. And um, that's what kind of happens at these schools. So I expect a big season from the Georgia Bulldogs. The number two team in the country, Jim Harbaugh's, Michigan Wolverines, eight back on offense, eight back on defense. And it's J.J. McCarthy again under center and in the shotgun. An impressive two seasons now. Um, a tough, tough loss to TCU uh, in, the fi- in the semifinals last year. They got, you know, handled by Georgia the year prior. Corman Edwards are back. Um outstanding running game. You know they're going to have a good offensive line. You know they're going to have a good defense. Out of conference is nothing. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green all come into the big house. Uh, Harbaugh is probably suspended for those games, if I'm not mistaken, self, self, uh, self-imposed. Then they get Rutgers at home before they go to Nebraska, go to Minnesota, Indiana at home, at Michigan State, Purdue at home, at Penn State, at Maryland, Ohio State. For me, the Michigan season might not necessarily start until they go to East Lansing. And I don't think Michigan State is going to be good, but that's a big game in that you know state. We know that, right? And then really down the stretch, Purdue is a weird program that could get up for any game, but that's going to be in the big house that's big. They go to Penn State, they get Ohio State home. That's kind of how the rotation works for Michigan. So I, I expect this Michigan team to be very good. Are they built to beat Everybody across the country, conference after conference, I don't know. They have built a solid team to beat Ohio State, as they've shown they can do. Um, But wondering about what the next jump is for Michigan. It's just not, you know, winning the Big Ten is great and getting to the playoffs great. But, you know, if you get to a natty, then we're talking about, you know, immortals, right? So this Michigan team... I think they're very, very good. Uh, A lot of the team is back. They don't play necessarily anybody now. That's probably going to be held against them. And I can see, you know, when we're talking about these early playoff committee polls, you know, Michigan being on the outside looking in, but if they take care of business, they'll be in the playoff, that kind of situation. 
They could be one of those teams this year. I would not be shocked to see um, a lot of people saying that. Ohio State in the third slot. Kyle McCord is going to take over for Stroud in Ryan Day's offense. Seven on offense, seven on defense back for um, the starters for Ohio State. And this is quickly flipped on them where, yeah, maybe Penn State and Michigan had a sniff or Wisconsin. But the Big Ten, it was Ohio State. Ohio State's coming out of the Big Ten. They're making the playoff. End of story. Put the Buckeyes in there. Last year, they might be a little fortunate to get in. That's fine. People want to argue with me. Fine, whatever. I, I'm i not sure about this Ohio State team. Is Marvin Harrison Jr. going to do what Smith and Jigba did last year? Are Ohio State receivers just going to continually sit out? Is that what's going to be the deal? Like, what are we doing here? Okay. So I'm very concerned about that. And whereas the Michigan schedule, I don't really, you know, blink at. Ohio State goes to Notre Dame at the end of September. Okay. And Notre Dame, I know, you know, valiant effort last year. At the horseshoe. They only gave up 21. The defense played pretty good, but they only scored 10 points. And let's talk about the Irish when we get to them at 13, but I don't think they're scoring 10 points. <laughs> okay? At Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend. All right? So that game is gigantic for Ohio State. We're going to figure out if they're going to play from behind in the playoff conversation or they're going to be one of the driving factors, right? Because if they lose that Notre Dame game and they have a one in that L column, they're on the outside looking in. That's going to be held against them. If they win that game, that gives them the, I guess, argument, the 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 point in the argument that they can say, hey, we went to Notre Dame and won, and we're undefeated, and Michigan's undefeated. Look at who Michigan's played. Come on. So I, I see if Ohio State gets that win, they're on the inside track. Even if they lose to Michigan at the end of the season, they probably could still make the playoff. Now, they go to Michigan. They have Penn State at home. Now, these games are a little more spaced out for Ohio State, whereas Michigan's are at the end of the season. Ohio State, they get Notre Dame in September, they get Penn State in October, and they get Michigan in November. Very kind of spaced out, which is good. Now, they go to Purdue, which we know... Ohio State could lose there, right? They go to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's an interesting team. And it's not a typical Wisconsin anymore. So, depending on how many wins Wisconsin has at that point, could be a big letdown spot for Ohio State coming off a of Penn State win or loss. That's an interesting two-week stretch for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Home to Penn State, then they go to Camp Randall in Wisconsin. Remember, these are the games you got to remember for Ohio State because they're probably going to handle Indiana, Youngstown State, Western. They go to Notre Dame, they get Penn State at home, they go to Wisconsin, and they're in the big house to end the season after Thanksgiving. We're going to learn about Ohio State. I'm not going to say right away because there are some games 
you know, Bama and Texas week two, uh, Florida State and LSU week one. There are some games we're going to find out right away about some teams. Ohio State will take a little bit, but at the end of September, they go to Notre Dame, Penn State, and Wisconsin, back-to-back, and then Michigan at the end of the season. So, and Ryan Day, who you know I don't like, and you know I don't really like Ohio State, but I I give them credit when they deserve credit. We'll see. We'll see what happens to that team. So that's Ohio State at three. Bama is four. It's the lowest and worst rating, preseason rating, for Nick Saban in some time, if I am not mistaken. And his Crimson Tide bring back five on offense, five on defense. A lot of talent went to the NFL for Nick Saban. Milro is the quarterback to replace Bryce Young. Runner first. If he's developed more of the passing game, that's really good. But I would be concerned. I don't think he can necessarily win a game with his arm from what I've seen from him um, when he's come in in, in uh, blowouts, right? Not trying to knock the guy, but from what I've seen, not necessarily a great thrower of the football, but an athlete, a guy that can move, a guy that can um, has escapability if it does break down on passing plays. But... The running game, running with the quarterback, could be at a higher percentage with Bama this year. Now, Bryce Young last year could run a little bit, and his escapability and scrambling was good, but they didn't want him to get clocked over the middle, you know, running. So I think we'll see a little more running, especially with the quarterback position of Bama this year. I think that's how the offense might change a little bit, but we know how good they are. It almost doesn't matter how many starters they they miss and, and move on because... They have so many big blowouts. So many guys get reps in games. And also, guys, their practices are better than some games across the country. I'm not going to mention conferences. I'm not trying to take shots. But, you know, the competition at a Bama practice could be better than some conference games. That's for sure. Middle Tennessee to open the season. Texas at home. We're going to figure out and find out about this Bama team early. What they're made of, right? That Texas game. At USF, Ole Miss at home, Lane comes in. They go to Stark Vegas for Mississippi State. They go to College Station. So that hasn't been um, a great place for them, College Station. They have some wins there, but they have some losses there that they shouldn't. Then Arkansas at home, third Saturday in October. You know they play Tennessee. That game is at Bryant-Denny as well, and so is LSU. So... Where is their bye? Oh, I see it. Okay, after Tennessee, before LSU is the bye. All right, that's fine because they go Texas week two, you know, at USF, fine. Ole Miss at home, at Mississippi State, at A&M, Arkansas at home, Tennessee at home, bye, LSU, at Kentucky, Chattanooga uh, before the Auburn game. So, listen, they got to get through that three-week stretch with the bye in between Tennessee and LSU. After they take care of Texas, obviously. So this Bama team, you know, I think maybe people are a little, I don't want to say down on them necessarily because of the talent that they're losing. But Saban does great coaching jobs. And you've seen a lot of the Bama teams that go on to win natties aren't the ones that are picked to win natties. So just just remember that going forward. All right.
the team in the five spot is the LSU Tigers. Brian Kelly, year two. Eight on offense, including the quarterback, Daniels. Seven on defense. Hammered Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. You know, Purdue overachieved last year, as we know. And LSU, like Florida State, who I'm going to mention in a little bit, we're going to find out about LSU and Florida State on week one, on that Monday night, okay? Right, it's going to be Monday. Are they playing Monday? I think they're playing Monday. So we're going to find out about them, all right? Then they get Grambling at home, at Mississippi State, Arkansas at home, at Ole Miss, at Mizzou, Auburn at home, Army at home, at Bama, Florida in Orlando. That's interesting. No, I'm sorry. No, Florida at home. I apologize. Georgia State at home, A&M at home. So, they're two big games. Florida State to open it up and at Bama. At Ole Miss, at Mizzou is an interesting stretch. I think they'll be fine. LSU is a good football team. I don't love Brian Kelly that much. Um... Quarterback is good. I think he's going to keep them in games. I think they were very fortunate last season. When you look at a lot of their wins, they lose to Florida State, unfortunately. Yeah, he went for it, right? They beat Auburn by four. They beat Bama by one. They beat Arkansas 13-10. They got killed by Georgia. Um, so this LSU team, I'm I'm interested in them, but I just don't see them. Like five is a very generous ranking, very generous. Like I think the team like next to USC, I think USC is better than LSU. And you could say, well, how could you say that? They have a bad defense, and they they give up way too many points. And they said they had a better improved defense, and they don't. Fine, you could argue with me all you want. Lincoln Riley has built a team that resembles the most recent golden days of the USC Trojans, okay? Caleb Williams is a star. They have about four guys that can get the ball from the running back position. They got about six, seven, eight receivers. I don't know how many. They got so many guys, okay? Branch is like the freshman running back. He ran back a kickoff. The speed was unbelievable. He had great punt return. Like, they are so good at the skill positions. They're so good on offense. They're so good on special teams. The defense has to wake up. The defense is the X factor. Because they're going to score a ton of points. USC overs are in play for this season because their defense is so bad. But they're going to score a ton of points. The quarterback is awesome. The head coach is great. You know, I love the head coach. I think he's one of the most talented offensive minds in all of football. Okay. The quarterback is amazing. The skill position players are insanely talented. Whether it's Portal or freshmen or guys that were still on the team, they're insane. Okay. Defensively, they obviously struggle and worry me. And it's a lot of guys in the portal, so maybe they're still getting used to each other. It's a lot of talented guys. They got to figure it out. 
plenty of starters back on both sides of the ball. Notre Dame in the middle of the season. UCLA to end it. So they're a tough stretch. I mean, they should be certainly undefeated going to South Bend. Right? Then after the South Bend game, they get Utah at home that they owe a couple against, right? At Cal, please. Washington at home, at Oregon, UCLA. So really, the really good teams that they got to play are at the end of the schedule. So maybe by that time, the USC defense will have gotten their act together, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. Williams is unbelievable. And, you know, the Archie Griffin stuff about, you know, nobody wins it twice, that could change. Uh, this guy is, he's hes something special. All right, Penn State up next, seventh overall. James Franklin is the coach. Eight back on offense, eight on defense. New quarterback, Drew Allaire. Five-star they love him out of the recruiting class after Clifford is gone. Um, they got good backs in Singleton and Allen. The offense is going to be there. Again, eight back on defense for Franklin. They got to go to Ohio State, but they get Michigan at home. West Virginia's down. Delaware comes in as well at Illinois, Iowa, at Northwestern, UMass. Going to Ohio State, they should be undefeated as well. Right? So somebody might get a one. If Ohio State already lost to Notre Dame, maybe they get a two. Right? But somebody's going to get a one there if both teams are unbeaten. Then Indiana at home at Maryland. Then Michigan comes in to Happy Valley. Rutgers comes in, and then they finish the season in East Lansing. So the big stretch for... Penn State really starts in Columbus and ends home against Michigan. There's four games in there, but really only two are games that I could see them losing. Maryland might be okay, but come on. You know, guys, like you're going to be like, AJ, you keep just giving these wins away for these good teams. Well, if you want to be in the playoff, you can't lose more than two games. So that's what we got to like. If these teams are going to find themselves in the playoffs, I'm trying to explain to you how they're going to get in or what their schedule's like or where they could slip up or where the wins and losses, right? West Virginia at home, Delaware at home, at Illinois, Iowa at home, at Northwestern, UMass at home. They should be unbeaten before they go to Columbus, right? Then whatever happens that game, they either have a loss or they're unbeaten until they go and welcome in Michigan. So I... I don't love just giving teams wins and stuff like that, but that's just kind of how it works. It's just how it works, right? When we're doing these previews. So Penn State is going to be a team that is going to make some noise. They are going to be involved in the Big Ten. The picture, how it plays out for sure. A team that a lot of people are high on. I'm not so high on them because I, I don't necessarily love the school. That's for sure. I, I have a history with this school. But Mike Norvell's Florida State. I don't love the coach. Um, the quarterback is back. Travis, I think he's solid. Jordan Travis, he can play. Seven other starters join him back on offense. Ten on defense. They hit the portal. So the Florida State talent 
and depth is going to be there. I'm not arguing that they're not a talented team. It's not like, you know, five, six years ago where I was like, this team is, who are these guys? These are This is not Florida State. The talent level is back for sure. I want to see them get developed. I want to see the coaching happen. I want to see them. Because Florida State, here it is, folks. Their September, we're going to figure out if they're going to the playoff or it's over. Because they have LSU. Southern Miss comes in. Then they go to BC, who, please, they'll handle them. But I'm just saying they have to go all the way up north to Boston. Then they go to Clemson. So LSU and Clemson, in their first four games, either they have... No losses, and you're like, this Florida State team is in the picture, okay? Because I, ACC isn't, it isn't as down as it was, but it's getting better, but it still isn't a good conference overall, right? They beat LSU, they beat Clemson. They should theoretically run the table and get into a playoff, right? That's Florida State season. A lot of these teams, you know, I talked about the Big Ten teams. A lot of their games are towards the end of the season. This Florida State team, we're figuring it out right away. If Travis can get them to win and be 4-0, they could be undefeated the whole way and get themselves into an ACC title game and then into the playoff. Now, the team that could be in their way in that fourth game of the season is Davos Sweeney's Clemson Tigers, who turned it over to K. Klubnik. Might have been a little too late. You know, this Clemson team has lost three games. Back-to-back years, you would have to add seasons together to get to three games uh, previously for Dabo. Um, They open up at Duke, which is not an easy game. Duke's going to be better than people think. And they get two tune-ups in Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic before they welcome in Florida State to Death Valley. And similar to Florida State, you're going to find out about Clemson that night. But Clemson, different than Florida State, they got Notre Dame late in the season. Okay, start of November. So Clemson's going to go to Miami at the end of October. Then they welcome in Notre Dame, and then they welcome in Carolina at the end of the season. So Clemson, I would say, has the tougher schedule, even though Florida State has the um, one of the harder games early on, that's for sure. But I think Notre Dame is better than LSU. So I'll say Clemson has a harder game overall with that one. Okay, does that make sense? Hopefully that made sense. So Clemson and uh, Florida State, those teams will be fighting it out on top of the ACC. Now, you know, a UNC, who I think is a good team, can they screw around and get involved? Maybe. And we'll touch on them. We'll touch on them. Um, Our second Pac-12 team here, if I'm not mistaken, the Washington Huskies, are the number 10 team in the country as I flip my Mark Lawrence preview book here. Here we go. DeBoer, second year. I mean, it was a great debut year. I was very um, low on the Huskies last year. They were really, really good. Um, Now, did they play a ton of teams? No. Did they beat up on a relatively eh, Pac-12, yes. But you still win 11 games. You still win 11 games. Now, they open up against Boise, which is interesting, right? 
Penix is a great quarterback. Um, I think a lot of people are on him in Indiana, and he's just proven it since he's got to Washington. He's been outstanding. So when you have a quarterback like that and, you know, a guy like we've mentioned some of them on the list already, you know, McCarthy or Caleb Williams and even Daniels and Travis Klubnik, we saw it a little bit. But Penix, these are guys that you say, okay, we're down a score. I think we can still win this game. You know, not only can we tie it, but if we get the ball again, we can win it because we have this quarterback. So, um, Boise State comes in. Tulsa comes in. They go to Michigan State because Michigan State came out to them last year. Cal at home at Arizona, Oregon, middle of October. That's your first kind of salvo in the league, right? And then their finish is tough at USC, Utah at home, at Oregon State, Washington State. So, Washington State... Probably not going to be good, but before that, they go to USC, tough game. Utah at home. Utah always plays tough anywhere they go if they're at home or away, whatever. At Oregon State, it's going to be an interesting game. DJU is there, uh, the Clemson transfer, so they will be able to score it. So Washington, if it all breaks right, can they make the playoff? Yeah, they absolutely could if it all breaks right. So um, certainly a team you got to look out for. Texas, Sark, year three already for Sark. Ten on offense, six back on defense. The ten on offense includes uh, Quinn Ayers, who, you know, if he doesn't get hurt in the Bama game, who knows? We know they lose Robinson, the outstanding running back. They have Arch Manning waiting in the wins, but it is Quinn Ayers' team. Rice to open it up, then at Bama. So, we're going to find out about the Texas Longhorns week two when they go to Tuscaloosa and take on the Alabama Crimson Tide at Brian Denny. And after that, you know, they should be able to take care of business and see what happens in the Oklahoma game and the Cotton Bowl there. They go to Houston. BYU comes in. Kansas State comes in at TCU at Iowa State, Texas Tech. Now, this is a, a Texas team where, hey, they lose to Bama and run the table. That's a team that could be in the playoff for me. You know, there, there's, I, I don't give teams any shame in losing Alabama, especially if it's a tough, hard-fought, you know, close game. You know, uh, there's no shame in it for me, okay? So if Texas goes to Bryant-Denny, you know, puts on a hell of an effort, ends up losing the game, but that's their only loss of the season, you know, that team is going to get strong consideration for me to get involved in the postseason. That's what I'll say about Texas. Um, and it is a big year for them. Final year in the Big 12, a conference that was kind of built on them. Can they leave it winning a title? It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Um, certainly something that I think would be a... Uh, a crazy way to end that conference. If they ever got um, to the title game and won the title, Big 12 title. Tennessee is an interesting team. Josh Heupel, year three. They turn it over to Milton after Hooker has moved on at the quarterback position. Talented team here. Lost some guys on offense. They only bring five back. Eight back on defense, which isn't bad. This is a team that, you know, if they take care of business, they could be unbeaten going to Bama. And then 
even if you lose that game, you still got a chance. Now, the unfortunate thing for Tennessee is since they have that rivalry with Bama and they're in Georgia's division, they play them every year. Okay. So at Bama, the third Saturday in October, and then in November, they host Georgia. So Tennessee to me could and should be undefeated going to that Bama game. And they could still only have one loss going into the Georgia game. Then you maybe take your chances, but that could be your season if you're a Tennessee fan. But I think they have lost a lot, especially on offense, especially at skill positions. That is concerning for me. A lot of people just kind of not writing off, but just it's a given that Milton's going to be a good quarterback when he's back under center. This guy that lost jobs at multiple schools, you know, so I don't know. I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. Tennessee, very talented. I like Heupel, but can they get over the hump? You know, having good seasons versus getting over the hump is uh, we're talking about different things, right? And I'm not trying to move the goalposts. I'm just trying to tell you. Notre Dame at 13, another team already want to know, like USC. Marcus Freeman, year two. Sam Hartman comes in from Wake, and Notre Dame has a quarterback, folks. Eight back on offense, eight back on defense. This team's very good. Defensively, I think they're very solid and can play. Um, we're going to find out more when Ohio State comes in, as we know. They go to Clemson. They have, like This is a tough schedule for Notre Dame. And, you know, similar to uh, possibly a Texas or, you know, a Clemson or a Florida State or even a team out of the Pac-12, the USC or Washington or whatever. If this team has one loss and you look at who Notre Dame played, Ohio State, USC, go to Clemson. These are tough games. And they don't shy away from it. That's what I respect the most about Notre Dame. I do. I really do. I really, truly do. Hartman's really good. I like this Notre Dame team. These three games that I'm talking about, Ohio State at home, USC at home, at Clemson, these aren't just season-defining games for Notre Dame. They're season-defining games for the sport of college football because these are games where we're either crossing off names we're moving schools names up on this playoff leaderboard and we're saying okay hey they beat them but they didn't beat them and they lost to them and and we're saying okay how do we feel Notre Dame is going to be a team here when we talk about common threads of conferences and who beat who Notre Dame is going to be a team that keeps coming up because they play one of the top teams of the Big Ten in Ohio State they play one of the top teams of the Pac-12 in USC and they play one of the top teams in the ACC Clemson all right so that's the Irish at 13. Utah is next at 14. Another team in the Pac-12 bringing back a quarterback or having a very good quarterback. Whittingham, it's all, it's year 19 for Kyle Whittingham. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Seven back on offense, including Cam Rising, who's a very good quarterback. Nine back on a solid defense. They open with Florida. They got to avenge a tough loss last year. Okay. They go to Baylor. Interesting game. Weber State comes in. Then it's the conference schedule. 
UCLA comes in. They go to Oregon State. Cal at home. At USC. Oregon at home. Arizona State. At Washington. At Arizona. Colorado. Either somebody in the Pac-12 is going to be unbeaten and survive all the scares, or we're going to have Utah, USC, Oregon, Washington, um, Oregon State, UCLA. We're going to have teams with two, three losses. Who's the best team here? Well, they beat them, and they beat them. The Pac-12 is either going to be very uniform with one team kind of you know, letting everybody know what the deal is, or we're going to have a situation where we got – Three or four teams, maybe five or six teams with two losses. You know, three losses. And who's the best team here? We can't figure it out. You know, so Utah with Rising, I like him a lot. I like Whittingham a lot. I like that they're returning a lot of guys back on a defense. I like that when you go to Rice-Eccles Stadium in Utah, you know you're going to a tough place. It's a great crowd. They travel pretty well when they go on the road to these places in, in the conference. Solid program. Solid football team. It's a tough out. That's a tough out on a Saturday. You know, you're getting all you want against the Utes. Same conference, Dan Laddings, Oregon Ducks, eight back on offense, including Bonix, the quarterback, eight back on the Duck defense. They lose a bunch of guys on the O-line. They've gotten some transfers in at some different positions as well. They should be unbeaten going to Washington in October. Portland State at home, at Texas Tech, Hawaii at home, Colorado at home, at Stanford, at Washington. They should be unbeaten there. Then they have Washington State at home before they go to Utah. Here we go. Cal at home, USC at home, at Arizona State, Oregon State at home. So they avoid UCLA which, you know, it isn't great. They play USC, but they do avoid some other schools that could be bugaboos, right? Knicks has been awesome. He's a gamer. His running has really, it's not a a hindrance to him throwing the ball. They've kind of merged as both being assets to him. Instead of just kind of taking off when the first thing happens to him, then he's like, oh, I got to get out of the pocket. But he's also, when his number's called to run the football, he is a good runner of the football. So Kansas State up next in the 16th slot. Will Howard is the quarterback for Chris Kleiman. Eight back on offense, only five back on the Wildcat defense. Fortunately for them, they don't play Oklahoma. They do go to Texas, though. So... Kansas State is a team that nothing crazy out of conference here. But in conference, if they do pick off a Texas, that could upset the rest of, um, well, that could upset Austin a lot because they're trying to get into the playoff. But Kansas State's a team that, you know, could ruin an Oklahoma, a Texas season by, hey, what if Texas ends up having two a loss in the conference, and Kansas State doesn't. Well, Kansas State is going to the title game over Texas, right? So, Kansas State isn't making the playoff. You know, they aren't, they aren't going to the natty, but they are a team that could keep a team out of the natty, if you catch my drift. Kind of like what TCU did last season, which was win a bunch of close games that they probably should have never won, 
been undefeated the whole season and then have a great comeback and, and great win, I should say, not comeback, but a great win against Michigan only to get smashed in the title game. But Chandler Morris is going to be the TCU quarterback for Sonny Dykes. Only three back on offense. They lose the quarterback. They lose the running back. They lose the receiver. Seven back on defense. Well, it wasn't a great defense really to begin with, to be fair, but that's okay. Um, they open with Colorado, Dion's first game as the Colorado head coach. And unfortunately for TCU, they got to play Texas and Oklahoma. They end the season at Oklahoma. They get Texas two weeks before at home. So they don't have those games until late in the year. If they win a bunch of games, they could be right where they were last season, which was in the playoff hunt and deserving of a spot, you know. So TCU at 17. Oregon State is at 18. Uh, Uncle Lele transfers in from Clemson to be the quarterback for Jonathan Smith in his sixth year in Corvallis. They get San Jose State. They got to go there. Then UC Davis and San Diego State come in. They go to Wazoo. Utah comes in at Cal. UCLA at home at Arizona at Colorado. Stanford at home. Washington at home at Oregon. It's a tough schedule. But they're a team that could ruin an Oregon season, ruin a Washington season, ruin a UCLA season because they don't play USC. And I'm sure USC is kind of happy about that, not being – not taking on a quarterback in DJU who's, you know, lit some defenses up. Now, has he been consistent? Absolutely not. But he's lit some defenses up, to be fair. Um, the 19th team in the preseason rankings are the Wisconsin Badgers. And it's year one for Luke Fickle coming up from Cincinnati in the former Ohio State kind of, you know, interim, if you will. Wisconsin is going to be different. Uh, Mordecai comes in from SMU. He threw 72 touchdowns over the last two seasons. I don't think Badger quarterbacks have thrown 72 touchdowns in the last 10 years. That was mean, but I'm just trying to make a point. Okay. 10 back on offense, eight back on defense. Allen, one of the running back. And then Malusi is the other running back. So they have great running backs. They have good receivers really for the first time with some depth. They've had, you know, once in a while they've had a receiver, but they haven't had the depth that they have now. Okay, for Wisconsin. They don't have to play Michigan. They do have to play Ohio State. Ohio State comes in. They certainly could be undefeated by the time we get to that pre-Halloween Ohio State meeting. And then Wisconsin is going to be a team we're going to have to talk about, especially if they beat that Ohio State team at home. So that is a showdown that if you're looking forward to, if you're a Wisconsin fan. Now, don't count your chickens, right? But, you know, peek at your schedule and be like, hey, we get out of um, get out of Purdue, right? We beat Iowa at home. We handle Illinois. Guess what? We're unbeaten. Because Buffalo, they go to Wazoo, who, you know, Washington State beat them last year. So they owe Washington State a butt kicking, which I think Luke Fickle will give them. Oklahoma is the 20th ranked team in the country. You know, Venerables, who I'm a big fan of from his Clemson days coming in, it was a tough ass to turn around that very poor defense. They've tried. They've worked on it. They bring seven back on defense. 
And on offense, Dylan Gabriel is back amongst six other starters for the Sooner offense. Nothing crazy at a conference at Cincinnati. Doesn't you know it's in conference now, right? The Texas game at Cotton Bowl, we know. But for Oklahoma, I mean, if they're gonna be, if they want to be who they want to be going forward and going into the SEC, they should only have one loss at most this season. The Big Twelve isn't as good as it's going to be yet. They're losing two big sharks and other fish are going to be able to swim now, right? In Oklahoma and Texas. Going to the SEC. They're bringing in some other fish, but there's not going to be any more big sharks, okay? If you get my uh, aquarium analogy for the Big 12, all right? Gabriel's good. I liked a lot of what they did. It was a big transition year. You know, they lose Riley the way they did. They got transfers coming in. I think Oklahoma is going to be a team that's going to climb the rankings because they're going to win a lot of games, and we'll see what happens in that Texas game when we get there. UNC is 21st. A lot of people think Drake May is the best quarterback in the country. I'm not sure. I think he's very good. I don't know if I'm ready to say he's the best. I think that's a, it's, it's a little much. It's a little much for me. Um, but Mac Brown... I mean, his second term, he's been really good. Nine back on offense, nine back on defense. This is an interesting year for UNC. A um, lot of people wanted Drake May to go into the portal and leave UNC, but he stuck around. They opened the season against South Carolina, and they get Minnesota out of conference. They go to Clemson late in the season. I see them winning a lot of games. Now, do I see them winning a lot of games 28-21? No, I think they'll win games 45-35. I don't really love their defense is what I'm saying. The number 22 team is the Mississippi Ole Miss Rebs with Lane Kiffin at the helm. Jackson Dart is back as the quarterback. Eight other stars on offense, seven on defense. At Bama early. Then LSU the week after at home. Right there, you're going to figure out what the deal with this Ole Miss team is. If they're just going to pick some teams off and be fun, or they're going to actually be a, um, a point of contention, I guess you could say. A&M, it's a big year for Jimbo, right? 10 on offense, 10 on defense. Wegman or Johnson is going to be the quarterback. They haven't figured that out yet, necessarily. They go to Miami, who they beat last year at home, narrowly, in a very bad game. Bama comes in. They go to Tennessee the week after. Then they get a bye. Carolina, this is in October now. Finish the season at LSU. This is a really big year for an A&M. You know, they can't lose a couple games. That's fine. But they definitely can't lose seven. They can't lose six. They can't lose five. Probably can't even lose four. So we'll see what the deal with A&M is. Tulane checks in on the top 25. The Tulane Green Wave. Willie Fritz is eighth year. 
out of the American. Six on offense back, including the quarterback Pratt. Eight back on defense. 12-2 and two last year. Pull win over USC. I mean, that's pretty crazy. I, I know all the USC teams didn't play. I don't know. All right, I know. Um, Tulane gets Ole Miss in week two. You're going to find out about them. And then who knows? Could they be a Cincinnati type? Probably not, but you never know until it gets uh, laced up and the ball goes in the air. The final team here is the Iowa Hawkeyes, Kirk Ferentz, and Cade um, McNamara is coming in, the Michigan transfer, coming to play quarterback for Kirk Ferentz. Eight back on offense, seven back on defense. This is a weird program. I don't know where they're kind of going. I'm just not sure, you know, what the direction is with this program. They haven't really adjusted to the way the game's been played, which, you know, you want to win the way you want to win, fine. But at some point, you got to look yourself in the mirror. So we'll see. They alternate winning 10 games, so this is a, uh, they won 8 last year, so maybe they won 10 this year. All right, um, SEC, I think Bama beats Georgia in the title game. Big 10, I think there's going to be the tiebreaker there. I think Penn State's going to beat Michigan. Ohio State's going to beat Penn State, and Michigan's going to beat Ohio State. So I don't know how the tiebreaker breaks up there, but whoever it is, Penn State, Michigan, or, Penn, or Ohio State beats Wisconsin. I think USC is going to beat Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, maybe Washington, but I just like Oregon better. ACC, Clemson over UNC, Big 12, Texas over Oklahoma. The teams that can make the college football playoff. I don't have LSU. I have Bama and Georgia out of the SEC. I don't have Wisconsin. Even though I think they could, I just don't think they will necessarily like if everything breaks right for Wisconsin of course I just don't think everything's going to break right for them at some point they're going to lose two three games so Michigan Ohio State Penn State whoever comes out of that division wins the big 12 big 10 title game gets into the playoff USC Oregon Washington out of the Pac-12 uh, Clemson and Florida State out of the ACC I don't think OU can make the playoff so I think Texas could and I think Notre Dame if we're all broke their way could as well so I'm going to go Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, and USC. And I'm going to go Bama Natty. There you go. All right, week zero, Navy and number 13, Notre Dame in Dublin. Notre Dame wins at 42-3. to Hartman had four touchdowns. The running backs, four of them had over five yards of carry. So, that's outstanding. Defense looked very good. Now, again, we're talking about a Navy team that doesn't really throw it, doesn't really have the firepower to throw it, and when the triple option isn't working and they're playing from behind, they're in trouble. So, good, very good showing for the Notre Dame defense. San Jose State went to the Coliseum to take on USC. They never really went away. Um, and despite Caleb Williams throwing four touchdown passes in the win, uh, the Spartans hung around against the Trojans. 56-28. Branch, the freshman kickoff return touchdown. So many weapons for USC, but
but the defense is definitely going to be an issue. All right, from college football, let's go to footy. Weekend soccer recaps are on the EPL. Chelsea and Luton Town on Friday. Reshane is going to be out for a while. Gusto has been really good for Chelsea. Two assists to Raheem Sterling. He had two goals. Sterling looked very good. And if that's the Sterling that Chelsea are going to get, that's the one they need, you know, going forward. So he was brilliant. Then he gets the assist to Jackson, who, you know, isn't going to be the starting striker. But in the absence of Nkuku, him getting a goal, getting on the score sheet is big. So a big result for Chelsea. Uh, the bridge was rocking. Poach had them going, so that was big big for Chelsea. Luton's in trouble. Bournemouth, Tottenham at the Vitality. Tottenham went a 2-0. The new midfield combining for the first goal. Basuma played Saar. Saar threw ball for Madison and passed the keeper that for one. And then um, the left back, Ugadogi, I believe his name is, comes inside into the box and sets up Kulisevsky, who hadn't scored in a while, club and country. And he gets Tottenham second. Manchester United in force, wild one here. Man U went at 3-2. Awani scored off a United uh, corner. He went the other way and scored to put Forrest up very early in the match. Then they got a second from a corner. Boley, everybody jumped. The ball just met his forehead. He directed it in. So Forrest in dreamland, up 2-0. Erickson got one back before the first half ended. Then... Um, Pretty good, well-worked goal. Fernandez set piece, plays it back. He gets it on the chip over the top, and then he heads it down for Casemiro. 2-2. Oral got sent off um, for Forrest, led to a penalty. Bruno scores it. United win 3-2. And I, I tweeted it out. Like, I really don't get how United fans can be, like, proud that Bruno's the captain. You can't tell me that you can look me in the straight face and be like, yeah, I'm proud that he's the captain. His antics are ridiculous. He's out of control. Everton Wolves. Wolves went at 1-0. Uh, Kolasinic, 87th minute winner. And we've talked about Wolves needing a striker. Well, this guy was hurt pretty much all last year. Here he comes as a substitute, and he gets the winner over Everton. Everton are bad. I, I told you that at the start of the season. Hopefully you believe me. They're not good. They play crap football. Brentford, Crystal Palace. This one finished 1-1. One, one. Uh, opening goal for Brentford. Uh, Schlattel, his first Premier League goal. And then Anderson, the center back for Crystal Palace. What a run he went on. And then tucked it underneath the keeper at the near post. Brilliant goal. Point split there. Arsenal, Fulham. This one finished 2-2. Two, two. What? Two minutes in, Pereira beats Ramsdale off his line to make it 1-0 Fulham. Then a penalty for Arsenal. Saka converts it. And Kitsia came on and scored to make it 2-1 Arsenal. Bossy got sent off. Two yellows. Arsenal couldn't get a third. And they left it open for a set-piece delivery to hit Paulinha's foot in the 87th minute and beat Ramsdale. Equalizer. Point split. Arsenal feel like they got a loss at home instead of a win. And they got a draw. Brighton and West Ham at the Amex. West Ham came out and played brilliantly. They win it 3-1. First goal comes from a sequence where Antonio is just stronger um, than Webster. Webster had a crap game. Webster had a very bad game. Uh, the defender for uh, Brighton next to Dunk there, the captain. So Antonio beats him on the near sideline, plays it into Ward-Prowse. 
Ball comes back up to Ward-Prowse. Buries it for West Ham's first. His first as a hammer, if I'm not mistaken. Then the second ball, the second goal in the second half. One of the best goals you'll see uh, talking about switches of plays. West Ham going against the run of play. Ball goes out to Ben Rama. He's waiting for it to develop. Here comes Bowen running like a madman to the back post. Brilliant cross into his feet. Amazing touch and a fantastic finish from Bowen. Made it 2-0. Then Bowen plays a great ball to Antonio. He puts a move on Webster with his back to the goal. Brilliant turn. Fantastic finish. That made it 3-0. Um, they get one back with the Pascal Gross goal, but they couldn't get a second to make it an interesting finish. And that's how West Ham take three points on the South Coast against Brighton. So those were Saturday's matches. How about the match on Sunday? Sheffield United at Bramall Lane taking on the champions, Man City. Holland missed a penalty. They still end up winning 2-1. He still ends up getting his goal. Grealish opened up the, uh, the assist tally again with the goal of Holland. Bogle, 84th minute equalizer sent Bramall Lane on another level, but it was Rodri in the 88th minute, a winner uh, after the ball deflected off Phil Foden into Rodri's path. He scores big goals for City. He gave them the European Championship, and he gave them three points at Bramall Lane. Burnley and Villa. Villa win at 3-1. Matty Cash at the back post for the first goal, and then a very good finish off a 1-2 with Diaby for the second goal. Foster brought one back for Burnley, but it was Diaby who added a goal to his already, uh, you know, populated stat sheet with the assists. So that one finished 3-1 Villa. Then the game of the afternoon, maybe early game of the season, Newcastle-Liverpool at St. James Park. Liverpool somehow win it 2-1. Anthony Gordon put Newcastle up 1-0 after Mohamed Salah tried to play a pass to Trent Alexander-Arnold. It goes under Trent's foot. Anthony Gordon in on goal, beats Allison 1-0. Then the game really turned. Ball into Isak. Van Dyke looks to kind of clear it, but he goes through Isak first. He's given a red card for a denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, but you know previously I thought it was stated that if it's not in the box, it's going to be a yellow, but I don't know. I guess that's not true. So Van Dyke sent off. Liverpool down to 10 men for the second time in two weeks. They did it at Bournemouth or at home against Bournemouth last weekend. So the match stays at 1-0 for a very long time. And earlier in the first half, Allison made one of the saves of the season. He pushed the Almiron volley off the post and out. And then he's made some big saves later in the second half as well. In comes Darwin Nunez, 77th minute. Ball tries to get played to him. It goes off the defender into his path, and he hammers it past Pope. 1-1, 81st minute. And then all Darwin Nunez did in the 93rd was you know, receive another through ball, this time from Mohamed Salah, this time clean. And what did he do again? He buried it past Nick Pope to give Liverpool the three points down a man at St. James Park. And there's no love lost between Eddie Howe's coaching staff and Jurgen Kopp's coaching staff. So the red card... Um, some other moments in the match, and then the ending really set that up to be a wild, um, wild, wild ex- scene in exchange. Pop, pretty classy, just goes over, shakes the guy's hand, and moves on, celebrate with this guy. So, um, what a win for Liverpool. What a win. Uh, over to La Liga, Real Madrid win 
against Celta Vigo. Bellingham scores again for Real Madrid, but the bad news, Vinicius is out four to six weeks for Real Madrid. Barcelona beat Villarreal 4-3. Gavi, De Jong, Torres, and Lewandowski, the goal scorers. They need all of them. And Athletic beats Valencano 7-0. Griezmann, Depay, Molina, two for Morata, Correa, and Lorente. Who didn't get on the score sheet for Atletico? Syria, Atalanta lose to Frosnozzi. I don't know how to say that yet. I am Italian. I should figure that out. Milan beat Turin 4-1. Pulisic uh, scores again. He scores on his home debut. Drew... Uh, two from the spot, and then Teo Hernandez scored. Roma lose to Hells Verona 2-1. Juventus and Bologna draw 1-1. Vlahovic to score for Juventus. Napoli beat Sassuolo 2-0. Osman penalty. They had a red for Sassuolo. Di Lorenzo got Napoli second. Genoa beat Lazio, and Inter beat Cagliari 2-0. Dumfries, Latoro Martinez scoring there. Bundesliga, Rebel Leipzig, Stuttgart. Rebel Leipzig put five past Stuttgart. Uh, Omo and Simmons on the goal on the sheet. Bochum and Dortmund 1-1. Mullen scored in the draw. Munich beat Augsburg 3-win. Own goal and then Kane penalty and then Kane for his brace. So he's on the mark already for Bayern Munich. PSG beat Len 3-1 in Ligue 1. Asensio and then Mbappe had two. Soccer transfer rumors. Nunez and City have agreed to personal terms. He's sitting at a Wolves training sessions and Wolves and City are working on a fee. Manchester United are desperate for a left back after learning that Luke Shaw is going to be out. Molassi is already out, if I'm not mistaken. So they're talking to Chelsea about Cucurella on loan. They're talking to Barcelona about Alonso on loan. They're talking to possibly Tottenham about Reguilon on loan. So they're working on those solutions. Gravenberch still could be on Manchester United or Liverpool at the end of this window. They're not sure yet, but he did enter the game as a sub for Bayern Munich um, for Tycho. Tierney's going to Real Sociedad on loan. This is a move I really don't understand. He was, you know, arguably the second best left back in the world. And he happened to be the second best Scottish back in the world. So that's that's how you know that Andy Robertson was the best left back. But point being, this guy's had injuries. I understand that. But, you know, he he got replaced by multiple right backs at left back. You know, I don't know if that's fair. And also... You know, Sinchenko gets a chance, but Tierney doesn't. I don't know. Uh, Dean Henderson is probably going to Crystal Palace. Kudos is making his move to West Ham. That should be official, and he'll be in training. Beto is coming into Everton to try to score some goals. Um, you know Calvert-Lewin is going to get hurt. You know Everton aren't going to score goals, mainly because they don't have a ton of talent, and also their manager, Sean Dyche. So it is what it is. Forrest are looking at Ndidi to shore up their midfield. Uh, another lesser player has already left. Castagna is going to Fulham. Roma could be the Lukaku suitor uh, for Chelsea, so that's getting to get done probably soon. And Pavard is looking to force his move from Bayern to Inter. NFL headlines, Josh Jacobs re-ups for the Raiders. He's going to get a one-year $12 million extension. The Cowboys trade a fourth um, round draft pick for Trey Lance. Now, I think it's a win-win for organizations. It, it gets rid of a kind of headache for San Francisco, meaning that they they don't have to keep answering questions about Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold. They can just be like, Brock's the starter and Sam's his backup end of story. For the Cowboys, they get a, a backup that's more like their starter than the one they have now in Cooper Rush. I think that's important for me. That way you can run the same kind of offense, the same type of plays. You don't have to tailor it to your backup per se 
I like the move. I don't think there's a lot to lose there. And I know a fourth round pick, you can get value and there's, you know, you get a starter there. You can hit on a guy that's a depth player and for sure, a hundred percent, but I don't know. I think it's a good move. So Texans name CJ Stroud, the starter. So we all kind of saw that coming. So Stroud, Bryce Young and Richardson are all going to be the starters for their teams. Uh, Ryan Jensen's out for the season for the Bucks, and he might contemplate retiring. So that's unfortunate, but that's probably what's going to happen. Um, Browns, Shaquem Grant's out for the season. They trade a seventh-round pick for Dustin Hopkins, and then they get to cut it. They cut it. They cut Cade York. They cut it. Jesus. Dolphins don't reach an extension with Christian Wilkins, but they did agree to the other uh, a deal with another lineman, Siler. Siler, sorry. Cardinals making moves. They trade Simmons to the Giants for a seventh. The Browns trade uh, Joshua Dobbs in a seventh to the Cardinals for a fifth. Then the Cardinals trade Josh Jones to the Texans. So there's your NFL headlines ahead of uh, last weekend before we get NFL football. And then golf, Victor Hovland wins the tour championship. Back-to-back -back wins after the BMW championship last weekend or two weekends ago. Xander finished second. Wyndham Clark third. Rory fourth. Cantley fifth. Morikawa, Fleetwood, Scheffler tied sixth. Home of Fitz, Keegan, Burns, Shank tied ninth. Ryder Cup in a month. So we'll talk about that and more. We'll probably mention who's on the team on Thursday's show. So that's what we'll talk about golf on Thursday's show. All right. Um, that was our college football season preview. We'll have our college football week one preview on Thursday along with NFL over-unders. The following Tuesday will be our NFL season preview. The following Thursday will be NFL week one preview. So football is here, folks. We'll be talking about games right around the corner. We'll be previewing some on Thursday for college football. All right. Everybody have a great week. I will talk to you Thursday. Football's here, baby. Until then, peace. Check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.